This episode of the American Farriers Journal podcast is brought to you by American Equus. American Equus set out to create a new generation of products for today's farriers, understanding that achieving the perfect shoeing is a combination of knowledge, skill, and the right tools. American Equus crafts high-performance CNC machined aluminum horseshoes for every discipline. In addition, they hand-fabricate robust and easy-to-use farrier shoeing carts that are completely customizable. To learn more about American Equus and to see their complete monoblock sport horseshoes, Visit AmericanEquus.com today and enter code JOURNAL for 10% off your first purchase. Welcome to the American Farriers Journal podcast. I'm Jeremy McGovern. In the world of equine research, there aren't as many papers covering the foot and lower limb as there are in other subjects. There are a number of reasons for this, including the limited inclusion and lack of leadership of farriers in conducting research projects. So for this to change and to build our understanding of evidence-based farriery, industry members need to obtain the skill set for conducting research. The Royal Veterinary College is leading the effort to change this. In 2017, the college launched the Graduate Diploma in Equine Locomotor Research in England. This was followed by expanding the program with the University of Pennsylvania for U.S. farriers. To further address this need, one of the leaders of this program, Dr. Renata Weller, also co-authored an editorial on the state of evidence-based farriery that was published in the Equine Veterinary Journal. You can read about this at AmericanFarriers.com RVC. In this podcast episode, we check in with Dr. Weller on the progress of the program and to get some more of her insight on the editorial she contributed to. I guess instead of me introducing this to the listeners and certainly writing about it, tell us what prompted this paper and can you give us a brief summary on it? All right. So our new editorial on is Ferrari evidence-based and is it and if not, why is it not? That's been a long time in the making, to be perfectly honest. So I don't know if you remember uh, two or three years ago, 2014, we had a little bit of a debate at Beaver Congress about exactly this. And at that point, I did a little literature review and I was actually, I knew it was poor, the the evidence-based I already knew it before I started, just because obviously I do literature searches all the time. But I hadn't quite tweaked just how the low number of papers compared to other other subject matters. You know, my other uh, clinical area of interest and also my research area of interest is, is equine diagnostic imaging. And I was absolutely shell-shocked to discover the difference, the discrepancy between number of papers in both fields. So I did that back then, and, and I was asked to write an article about this then. And I just, it's so many, many things in life I don't. I never done it, basically. And then with our new course going as strong as it is, both in the UK and in the US, we had a lot of discussions with our students on the course uh, exactly about this. And I thought, oh, maybe it's time to do something about it. And coincidentally, the editor, uh, Dr. Dr. Ma, Dr. Celia Ma of Equine Veterinary Journal said to me, hey, I think you still owe me an editorial from 2014. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just write it. And that's what we've done. Since 2014, when you first thought about this and looked at it, how's the progress been? 
The progress in terms of scientific evidence, I think it comes and goes a little bit. Uh, with uh, There was a huge surge in the 90s when data analysis came up and so on. And especially my colleagues and friends from Utrecht University have done a tremendous job in, in pushing it. Also, my colleague at the RVC, Professor Ellen Wilson, who is still the head of the Structure Motion Lab, they, there was a, a surge in 90s, beginning 2000s in papers. And then it went down again. And actually, just this year and end of last year, there was a, a little bit more. The Leipzig people have published a few papers. So there's all over the world, there's these pockets of, of people doing ferro-related and podiatry-related research and get it into the peer-reviewed journals. So it, it goes up and down. I think if you if you plot it over time, it is um, it's steadily going up. So that's very promising. I, I like that fact. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. <laughs> what are the main areas where you see this growth subject-wise? I want to say it's not necessarily subject-wise. The main area I think where growth will come from is actually the number of people who are going to do robust research that will make the cut into peer-reviewed journals, in, into scientific journals. And, I mean, we can discuss the merit of that in, in a second, but I think or I'm hopeful that we will have a, more and more people that will train other people as well. So I think, I'm hoping that within the Ferrari and podiatry community that we will have, we will reach a critical mass of people who can actually do practically applied, robust scientific research in that field. That can, I, I think what's actually a strength of that field is that it can be anything. It can be kinematics, kinetics, it can be hoof growth, it can be literally trying to test the efficacy of a new shoe for certain problems and, and, and so on. I, I think the, I mean, the world is the oyster there. It, it can be absolutely anything. And I think what's missing at the moment is enough people doing it. Let's shift to that then. And instead of just complaining about something, you helped lead and, and try to make a change. And we've, we've covered this in a previous uh, podcast and article. How are the programs going at, at the Royal Veterinary College and at UPenn? Very well. I, I mean, it, it's my pride and joy at the moment, uh, I have to say. It, it's been, uh, the number of applicants is way above what we expected. The people on the course are fantastic. They're so motivated. They put a lot of hard work into it. And of course, also money. Let, let's just put it out there. Uh, education and training is never cheap and time is never cheap. Absolutely brilliant. I've I've been working with uh, veterinary students. I've been working with musculoskeletal specialists. I've been working with uh, chemists for, well, a good 25 years now. And I've yet to come across a bunch of students who is so on it. And anybody, everybody involved in that course says exactly that. I've, I've just been to the veterinary education collaborative uh, meeting in Cornell. And I've presented this to other uh, educators who work in the veterinary field. For this, I've done a little survey on the people teaching on the course. And the one thing there is absolutely amongst the 13 people who teach on that course, there's only one opinion. And that these cohorts of students are the most enthusiastic, the most dedicated any of us has ever worked with. So I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm absolutely over the moon with them. Yeah, did that come as a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very mean question, Jeremy, I have to say. <laughs> yes and no. 
No, in terms of I knew the people who would take out time out of their really busy life to dedicate that to that cause. I know they would be committed. Absolutely. I thought we would have a little bit more attrition. I'm under no illusion that these, these students are usually a bit older. Sorry, guys, if you listen to this ever, uh, but it's the truth. And they are finding it hard sometimes to go back, sitting on your bum, studying and so on. So I thought we would have a little bit more attrition. I thought more people would drop out after the first half year or so. And as a matter of fact, we have literally zero attrition, hmm. which is unheard of. And certainly my university administrators, they keep asking me. They said, are you keeping us up to date? Who is still registered? I'm like, yeah, 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 I am. I am. Uh, don't, don't you worry. It's going much better than I thought. There's going to be some people listening that don't quite understand this, the program, or maybe haven't heard of it. Could you just give a quick review of uh, what the students are going for? So the whole point, the aim of this program is to, it's almost a, a painting by number approach to get somebody who has the practical background in the field of podiatry and ferry to give them the skills to be able to conduct their own research project in practice. So we are not aiming for, you know, some, but I guess what a lot of people, when they hear research, a lot of people think about wide lab codes, pipetting different solutions into different things. That's not at all what we do. This is about practically applied research in equine locomotion, in ferry, in podiatry. And what we have done is, uh, after a lot of consultation with people in practice, we've developed a, a, a part-time program that runs over two years. It comprises altogether six modules. Each module has a residential weekend where we meet. also has an online component. So each module is between four and six weeks long. And they work, their, the students work their way through online material. They also learn from each other by using the online discussion boards and, and so on. Um, and of course, there's also, we, we need to set some standards. So there is some exams involved as well. So for each module, there's an exam. Now, people shy away from the word exam a little bit. And I think it's the, the reason for this. They think it's like a school exam where you sit there, you get asked uh, questions on papers about knowledge, but that's not at all how it is. Again, it's a practically applied uh, way forward. So they, for example, for one module, the students are asked to write a case report on a case that they found challenging. And the emphasis in that case report is not on the description of the case. The emphasis is on what have you learned from it. So it's on the reflective part of it. And that's how it goes on. So it's more about re reflection and doing a critical literature re review, for example. So you choose your topic you're interested in, tendon lesions, for example, or laminitis or something, and you read the literature that interests you and you write a critical literature review. So it's a step-by-step -step approach. And at the end, what they will end up with is two things. They will end up with the skills to conduct their own research, and they will also end up with a paper, a research thesis as such, which just coincidentally, because we thought it would be a good thing, also fulfills the criteria for the Worshipful Company of Farrier's Fellowship Thesis. So if you pass with us, 
this automatically gets recognized by the Worshipful Company of Ferris. You still have to pass the rest of the that exam, but the fellowship uh, thesis as such is recognized. You have to defend it still, but so that's it. So, so it's a painting by number approach to get people to the stage where they can do their own project. How many students do you have in the UK version versus the US? So we have really only taken 15 students per year, but we have 17 in each cohort at the moment. The maximum, maximum I would ever want to take in is 20. And that has to do with, I want to keep it small and neat uh, because we give the students a lot of one-to-one tuition uh, during the course. And uh, I want to keep up I want to keep up that ratio. And I also want to keep up the enthusiasm of the teaching staff as well. If any, as always, if you overload somebody, they lose their enthusiasm. And uh, the way it is at the moment, every tutor looks after a small number of people and can give them the attention they uh, deserve. You talked about they'll leave with this, the skill set for conducting research. Uh, they'll also have a, a paper. Uh, but they go on in their lives. And I, I know from my experience with a lot of the farriers in the U.S., you have a kind of a mixed bag. You have some involved working for universities. Some, I guess the remainder would be in private practice. Uh, they all embrace different modalities of, of farriery. What do you want them to do after after they earn this diploma? I think that's that's why it's so wonderful. The, the variety is, is what makes it so brilliant that everybody comes in with their own life experiences and their own view and also their own goals. So I want them to use those skills they learned to apply them in their area. And if somebody works at a university and is interested in the best method to teach wet students how to take off a shoe, more than happy for them to do a project on that. If somebody else is really interested in rehabbing laminitic horses and want to do some, want to test a new method or want to look at how the owners, how we can get owners to detect laminitis earlier or to be more compliant or and so on, perfectly fine with us. And that's why we are putting so much emphasis to expose them to a whole range of research methodology, including hardcore biomechanics measurements or using imaging, but also social sciences, working with questionnaires and so on. So what they do with it, well, I'm hoping they will, whatever they do, it will be uh, to the benefit of the horse in, in one way or the other. Um, so which angle they choose, I'm, I'm hoping I will have a whole variety in the future. You know, you have this goal of taking research for, away from this idea of this ivory tower. I guess maybe to give the listeners maybe an example, let's take that idea you mentioned earlier of seeing perhaps the effects of a certain shoe. What would be the skill sets that these farriers would, would learn and uh, once they're out in their private practice, if they wanted to conduct a project related on the effects of a particular shoe, how would they go about it? Well, I'm hoping they would first start with uh, stating their aim very clearly, what exactly they're trying to find out. We are very, very keen on hypothesis-driven research here, so I would want them to formulate an hypothesis and state exactly what they expect that shoe would do. And then I would expect them to come up with a study design and then... uh, conduct the study in in, in practice and then be able to critically evaluate their own results and discuss them. 
for example, uh, if, if somebody is interested in testing a shoe, it of course depends on uh, for what application. But in general, for a riding horse, for example, what I would be interested is in shock absorption and how, how a new shoe influences shock absorption and load distribution on the limb. And you have various way of measuring that. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that we will guide our students to um, through the process so they can come up with their own protocol to conduct the study within their practical constraints. So the whole point is that it's not ivory tower research, that it cannot only be done for three million pounds, but that we end up with people who can do robust research literally using their iPhone. That's what I'm trying to achieve. Sorry, for example, you can do that. I mean, nowadays, iPhones have uh, very good slow motion capabilities. And as long as you know uh, that you have to standardize the speed of the horse, that you have to have it perpendicular to your camera and so on. So as long as you know about all this, you can do actually very nice studies with an iPhone. Or, sorry, a Samsung. I don't <laughs> want to be product placing here or product endorsing. You know, I know there's going to be some people who are interested in the program after listening to this. If they're, I suppose, both in the U.S. and, and the U.K., if they're interested in applying for, for uh, uh, future tracks, uh, where would they get more information? So definitely on our webpage, so on the Royal Veterinary College webpage. So if you just Google Royal Veterinary College Graduate Diploma in Equine Locomotor Research, you will get more information. Or simply email me either on ferrari at rvc.ac.uk or use my email address, which is rweller at rvc.ac.uk. And I'm more than happy to talk to people or send them more information. When the, when the students graduate and they, they receive their diplomas, go back home, how do you hope they inspire their colleagues back home? As you mentioned, there's a finite amount of people who can enter this program. Perhaps other universities will help take up the cause. What do you hope they inspire among their colleagues back at home? I almost see it like snowballing. So I'm hoping that the fairies who've been on the program uh, find it useful enough to recommend it to other people. So we will have students, uh, as many applicants in the future. But I also, I'm also hopeful that they will teach others. So I'm hopeful that they will teach their apprentices, if they have any, and many of them do. I'm hopeful that they will stand up at conferences, for example, the International Hoofcare <laughs> Summit, and present their, their work. I'm hoping that they will publish their, their findings. So this disseminate not only their findings, which is obviously good, but also hopefully instill a little bit of the same hunger for knowledge and the, the urge to, to produce evidence based in the subject area in, in the people surrounding them. That's a tricky one a little bit when it comes to publications. I have to admit that because obviously if you are like me, if you work at a university, one of the uh, parameters of success is publications in peer-reviewed journals. But I don't think there's many, many farriers who necessarily would read uh, the equine veterinary journal. 
So I think what we have to do is come up with a balance between the two things. And what, what I see in my mind is, yes, we get this out into the peer-reviewed journals, but that we would also uh, get this out to the people who actually could do with that information on the shop floor through, I don't want to call it light versions, but maybe abbreviated versions uh, of the research project in fairer journals like yours or like the Forge magazine and, and, and so on. So we need to work together a little bit here, I think. But I'm hoping we can work together here. If you would like to learn more about the Equine Locomotor Research Program, please visit the RVC website at rvc.ac.uk for more information. Thank you to Dr. Weller for sharing. Thank you to Dr. Weller for sharing her time and expertise with us. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for upcoming episodes on foot care and farrier insight. By subscribing, you can get these episodes automatically updated to your computer or smartphone. Until then, thanks for listening.